for listening to the KCAC Beat. Now, introducing your hosts, Hans Nickel and Mark Hopines. Good morning and welcome to the KCAC Beat. My name is Hans Nickel, Assistant Commissioner for Operations here at the KCAC. Along with me is Mark Hopines, Assistant Commissioner for Sports Information and Communication. And Mark, some, some big things happening in the conference this weekend. Yeah, we had some uh, outside of football, which we'll be focusing on this episode. Um, had a couple other sports in action. Looking at cross country, we had four KCAC teams on both the men's and women's side competing at the McPherson College Carol Swinson Invitational on Friday. Um, Bethany, Bethel, McPherson, and York all saw their men's and women's teams competing there. Um, Looking at men's results, McPherson took first, Bethel took second, Bethany took third, and York did not have a team score on the day. Um, Top individual KCAC finisher on the day was Alexander Holmes of McPherson, who took second place there. Um, On the women's side, York took second place, McPherson took third place, and Bethany and Bethel did not have a team score on the day. Um, Top individual finisher for the KCAC was Maria Giesemann of York, who took first overall on the women's side. Uh, Looking at a couple of other sports in action over the weekend, uh, men's golf Bethel traveled up to Emporia to take on Haskell Indian Nations University in a duel on Saturday. Um, as of recording, I was not able to find results, so we'll keep looking the, looking for those for you. Um, and then tennis, uh, the Bethany invite was scheduled for Friday and Saturday. That ended up being canceled due to weather. Uh, Bethany, Sterling, and Tabor were all scheduled to uh, play at that event, but due to rain, that event was canceled. So we'll see a couple tennis teams in action, I believe, this weekend. At the Tiger Jinx, Tiger Jinx event um, down in Southwestern and Cali College. And then on the 23rd and 24th, uh, the KCAC Fall Individual Championships will take place down in Winfield. So fall tennis starting to pick up here. But now we'll move on to football over the weekend and look at the games on Saturday. This is the KCAC Scoreboard. Now let's look at the KCAC scoreboard in football. We'll start with our early game of the day. It was a 1 p.m. kickoff in Kansas City, Missouri, as Avila University hosted Ottawa University, and it's the Eagles of Avila winning this game 39-9. Scoring started in the first quarter with a Malik Nesbitt three-yard run, and Avila added a second touchdown to take a 13-0 lead after a missed extra point on an Eli Williams four-yard run in that first quarter. Ottawa cut the lead by three in the second quarter, leading into halftime as Lewis McMullen was able to make a 27-yard field goal. About nine minutes left in the half, and that was the only score that we had in the second quarter. Avila jumped out again in the third quarter, this time on a Kendall Woolley 17-yard reception from Eli Williams. And then it was Malik Nesbitt again in the third quarter for Avila on a five-yard touchdown run. And then Avila was able to get a safety and that uh, to start the fourth quarter, uh, giving them a 29-3 lead early in the fourth quarter that expanded to 36-3 on a Robert Brooks 27-yard 
touchdown reception from Kyle DeOrio. Ottawa got their touchdown in the game on an Isaac Gibson five-yard touchdown reception from Billy Mapes. Uh, that made the score 36-9. to And then Kayvon Mortazab was able to add a 28-yard field goal for Avila late in the fourth quarter for that 39-9 Eagle victory. Mark, any stats stand out to you in this matchup? Uh, just looking at some of the team statistics, Avila taking advantage of the opportunities when they had them, uh, holding a 22-12 to first down advantage. Um, Avila also really converting when they got into third down situations, um, converting 7 of 15 compared to 1 of 10 for Ottawa. Total offensive yards, we're looking there. Uh, Avila had 405 total offensive yards compared to 253 for Ottawa. Um, net yards passing, Avila 217 to Ottawa's 155. And then Avila nearly doubling up Ottawa on the team rushing yards, um, having 188 compared to 98 total rushing yards for Ottawa. Uh, another kind of name of the game was turnovers. Ottawa had three on the day. Avila limiting their turnovers to only one. So that'll definitely help you out there, take care of the ball. And um, I don't believe the time of possession is right on here because it's over 60 minutes, but I still believe Avila held um, a good advantage there on time of possession uh, and were able to, to run the ball, take control of the ball, and and definitely uh, keep the ball on their side and make sure they, they scored when they had the opportunity. Um, offensive stats individual-wise, Malik Nesbitt, an all-KCAC performer for several years, um, averaged 4.6 yards per carry on 16 carries for a total of 73 yards um, and scored two touchdowns on the day. Eli Williams, the dual-threat quarterback for Avila, um, was 8 of 21 passing for 159 yards and one touchdown. And then on the ground was uh, had 10 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown from there. Um, receiving, pretty balanced for the Eagles. Um, leader in yards was Andrew Williams with 52 yards, um, along with 29 yards, so pretty balanced on both his catches there. But there were seven Avila receivers that caught the ball in the day. Um, and rounding things out for Avila, looking at kickoff returns, they had a big day there. Melvin Reed had two returns for 75 yards with a long of long return of 48 yards. Uh, Jaquez Snell had two returns for 73 yards, so nearly a matching read there, and had a long return of 60 yards. Um, and then Melvin Reed also having success on punt returns, uh, having two there for 48 yards with a long return of 37 yards. Some highlights on Ottawa's side, individual statistics. Uh, Jared Daniels rushing the ball had six carries for 65 yards for an average of 10.8 yards per carry um, with a long rush of 57 yards. Corral Hill definitely standing out for uh, Ottawa on the receiving, having four catches for 65 yards, averaging 16.3 yards per catch. And I'll throw it over to Hans, look at some defensive statistics for both teams in this matchup. So for Avila, those defensive statistics were spread out pretty well. Uh, leading in tackles were Nick Furlow, Javon Taylor, and C.J. Mickle all had six tackles. Uh, furlough had two and a half for a loss and forced a fumble to go along with those six tackles. Uh, another kind of standout performance was Monte Tony. 
uh, only three tackles overall, but two of those were sacks. Uh, so two sacks and putting pressure on uh, the Ottawa quarterback for Ottawa. Uh, defensively, they were led in tackles by Jensen Ripple and A.J. Hempel, both with nine tackles. Uh, Hempel had half a tackle for a loss, uh, but did recover the one fumble and the one turnover generated by the Ottawa defense uh, in that game. The game, again, was in Kansas City and play, played in front of a crowd of 296. Uh, let's go ahead and go forward to our next game. Yeah, looking at our next matchup, definitely a, a tight game. Um, Tabor at McPherson. Blue Jays coming away with a 17 to 16 victory. Uh, Got to be tough for the Bulldogs. Second straight week that they lose by one point. So um, it's definitely a back and forth battle here. Tabor uh, scoring all of their 17 points in the first half, taking a 17 to three lead into halftime. And then McPherson had a late fourth quarter comeback, scoring 13 points in the fourth quarter, but not able to tie it up or uh, get the lead there late. So they fall 17 to 16. Looking at the scoring breakdown, uh, McPherson actually started out the scoring three to nothing on a Caden Bush 27 yard field goal. Um, and then as all Tabor, the rest of the first half, Nathan Heilig had a 43 yard field goal with 616 left in the first quarter to tie it up three to three. Um, Charles Jones scored with uh, six minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, catching a 14-yard touchdown pass from Gustavo Villarreal to put Tabor up 10-3. to uh, The Blue Jays scored again pretty close to halftime. Uh, Liam Mania Brown had a two-yard rush to extend the lead to 17-3, to um, capping a six-play 89-yard drive that lasted four minutes and 17 seconds. Um, as I mentioned earlier, no real scoring in the third period, but McPherson did try to mount a comeback there in the fourth. Uh, Jesse Davis scored on a four-yard run with 14 minutes and 38 seconds left um, to cut it to 17 to 10. And then with two minutes and 28 seconds left, Aiden Friesen had a 65-yard touchdown reception, reception excuse me, from Tristan Zabo to get it to 16 to 17. But Caden Bush did miss the extra point there, um, allowing the Blue Jays to come away with a 17 to 16 victory. Um, do you see any statistics that kind of spell the the name of the game there for this matchup? Well, the biggest statistic that spells the, the name of the game on the matchup is turnovers as McPherson turned the ball over uh, four times where Tabor did not have any turnovers. But other than that, if you look at team statistics, it's a lot of McPherson Bulldogs in those team statistics. They uh, led Tabor in first downs 21 to 13. Uh, McPherson had a 37% third down efficiency rating opposed to Tabor, who only had a 6% third down efficiency rating. You look at total offense, McPherson had 445 yards of offense compared to Tabor's 211. Uh, through the air, it was 362 yards for McPherson. So their offense got things going, but for Tabor, it was a lot of bend without breaking, uh, generating those turnovers, three of which were fumbles uh, that were forced and recovered, only one interception. If you look at uh, individual statistics, uh, McPherson's Tristan Sasbo had a had a great day, 23 of 49 for 362 yards through a TD and an interception. And then on the ground, he had 11 attempts for 42 yards, uh, so a 3.8 average, so a big get day for the McPherson quarterback. Uh, and so again, on those receiving 
uh, yards for McPherson. We uh, lost a little bit of the internet connection recording this, so sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, is Aiden Friesen uh, leading in receptions, seven receptions for 196 yards for McPherson, including a touchdown, uh, average 28 uh, yards per reception. Look at uh, Tabor individual statistic-wise, Gustavo Villarreal, 8 of 22 for 133 yards and a touchdown in the air. Uh, passing for the Blue Jays, it's Leomania Brown on the ground with 21 attempts for 58 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then receiving, Caleb Jamal Grant had four receptions for 94 yards. That's a 23.5 average. Uh, 55 was his long there, the one a reception touchdown coming from Charles Jones, and that was his only reception uh, in the game, but it did uh, go for six points. Um, if you look at uh, kicking and compare between the two, um, McPherson's Caden Bush was one for one, along a 27, one for two on extra points. Uh, for Tabor, Nathan Heilig was one for one uh, for 43 yards on field goals, two for two on extra points. Uh, and that uh, two for two on extra points paying big dividends as Tabor comes away with the one point victory. Any defensive stats stand out to you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, definitely two standouts for the Blue Jays on the day. Cole Hernandez and Charles Jones both had double digit total tackles. Um, Hernandez had 12 total tackles, including um, a sack for eight yards. And that was part of uh, two total tackles for loss for nine yards. Um, he also had two pass breakups. Charles Jones making an impact all over the field. I think you talked about him having a uh, receiving touchdown as well. Um, also had a great game on defense, 10 total tackles, forced fumble, um, and he returned that for 20 yards. And then also had a interception on the day that he returned for 55 yards. Um, I think you mentioned this earlier, but Tabor forced two more fumbles on the day. Those forced by Courtney Craig and Brandon Arnold. On McPherson's side, um, had pretty balanced defensive attack. Um, Corey Chairs and Caleb Hamblin leading the team with seven total tackles. Hamblin also had half a sack for a loss um, of three yards. Looks like he may have shared that with Alfred Lamas. Um, had a couple other tackles for loss in the day. Tegan Shepard had two tackles for loss for McPherson and also had a forced fumble. Uh, Kobe Brown having an impact, five tackles, uh, one tackle for a loss for five yards and also had a pass breakup. So uh, definitely an interesting game, back and forth. And uh, McPherson about had a, a fourth quarter comeback there, but uh, Tabor able to come away with a 17 to 16 victory there. Moving on to our next game, uh, Kansas Wesleyan traveled to Sterling to take on the Warriors there. Kansas Wesleyan coming away with a 49-0 victory, uh, scoring 35 points in the first half and then seven points in each of the third and fourth quarters. Uh, kicking off the scoring pretty early on was Mark Benjamin for Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, had a 28-yard rush to put the Coyotes up 7 to nothing. Uh, then the Coyotes scored twice more in the first quarter. Uh, have an uncontributed touchdown. I would need to go back and look and kind of look at the game tape for that. But um, scoring with 6.41 left in the first quarter to pull ahead 14 to nothing. And then with 2.41 left in the first quarter, 
Benjamin scored again this time on a six-yard run um, to get the Coyotes up to 21 to nothing. Candace Wesleyan scoring twice in the second quarter. Uh, Patton German had a 17-yard touchdown reception from Rico Moore to jump out to a 28 to nothing lead. And then with almost no time left, uh, only 18 seconds left in the second quarter, uh, Nicholas Alsman had a three-yard run to put the Coyotes up 35 to nothing going into halftime. Um, and as I said, the Coyotes scored one time in both the third and fourth quarters. Um, Woody Banks had a 19-yard touchdown catch from Tony White uh, to go ahead 42 to nothing. And then uh, Jaquante Pitts had a 33-yard reception touchdown from Richard Lara to get up to 49 to nothing and um, earn the victory there. Uh, do you see anything on statistics that really catch your eye? I mean, the, the score statistically is uh, was reflected in the stats. Uh, first downs, Candace Wesleyan 29 to Sterling 7. Uh, total offense, 445 yards for Kansas Wesleyan, 188 for Sterling. If you look at terms of just uh, having the ball, total offensive plays, Kansas Wesleyan had 79 of those. Sterling only had 53. Um, you could really see a difference in rushing yards as Kansas Wesleyan had 298 yards on the ground in the game compared to Sterling's 92. Uh, penalties played a role as well as uh, Sterling had nine penalties for 82 yards compared to Kansas Wesleyan's four for 28. Uh, turnovers were three to one in favor of Kansas Wesleyan as they were able to force three turnovers. And Sterling was only able to force one of those. If you look at individual statistics, uh, for Kansas Wesleyan, it's again, Nicholas Alsman who was KCAC Offensive Player of the Week last week. Uh, this week, 19 attempts, 96 yards, uh, and a touchdown. Uh, Mark Benjamin had six attempts for 46 yards and two touchdowns on the ground for Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, in the air, it was Jaquante Pitts, two receptions, 45 yards, and that touchdown uh, for Sterling. Daniel Dorsikar had a, a big game on the ground, 17 attempts, 103 yards, um, did break one for 34 yards, doesn't get into the end zone, uh, but averages 6.1 yards per carry there. Um, They're led in receptions by T.C. Smith. He had five receptions, had a big receiving game last week. Uh, this week, he is held to just 17 yards on those five receptions, though, so the Kansas Wesleyan defense uh, doing a good job containing that warrior uh, passing attack. Anything defensively stand out to you, Mark? Um, Lucas Rockford led the Coyotes in total tackles with six. He also had a tackle for loss um, for five yards. Justin Clatterbuck was second on the team in total tackles with four um, and also recovered a fumble, so making waves in the uh, turnover game. Uh, forced fumbles for the day for Coyotes. Uh, they have one contributor to the team, so must have been uncredited there. Um, and Tony White and Cole Parker each forced to fumble on the day and uh, had two inter two interceptions on the day. Again, those are under team statistics, so not sure who had those there. But uh, Kansas Wesleyan definitely taking advantage and, and causing turnovers when they could. Um, on the Sterling side, Flinders Cameron uh, led the team in total tackles with 10. Also had a sack for a half uh, half a sack, excuse me, for a four-yard loss. 
Um, Diego Morin had eight total tackles, uh, including one sack. Uh, Devin Rogers, I believe he was all uh, KCAC preseason, had an interception for 26 yards there. Um, and then Coben Honey had a uh, forced fumble on the day for Sterling. So Sterling also causing some turnovers, but Kansas Wesleyan just able to, um, as you said early on, really get that rushing attack going and, and setting the pace there and uh, able to take advantage of opportunities and score when they could. So I'll uh, we'll move on to our next game here, which will be uh, Bethany versus Southwestern. Yeah, and so the Swedes travel to Winfield. Uh, but it is all mound builders in this game as Southwestern takes this one 65-0. This was Bethany's first game of the year as they were on the bye in week one, and then it's all all number eight mound builders um, who are looking to make a run in that national poll as they score 65-13 in the first quarter, 28 in the second quarter, 10 in the third, and 14 in the fourth. Look at that scoring breakdown. It was opened up uh, by Keyshawn Jones, a five-yard touchdown run. And then later in the first quarter, it's Brad Cagle on a one-yard touchdown run. Um, Southwestern went for two and were unable to do that uh, on that uh, touchdown. So it was 13-0 at the end of the first quarter. The second quarter, it's Brad Cagle again, this time a 12-yard run uh, with 14.55 left in the second quarter with uh, 11-10 left in the second quarter. Andre Jones had a 27-yard touchdown reception from Cagle uh, with 5.53 left in the second quarter. Lake Hoffman, a 19-yard touchdown reception again from Cagle. And then before halftime, 2.20 left in the half. Jordan Jackson, a 35 or 34-yard touchdown reception again from Cagle. Coming out in the second half, uh, Southwestern again with 9.35 in the third quarter. Uh, Zion Kenner, 35-yard uh, reception. This one from Thomas Yam. Um, then with 4.54 left in the third quarter, Gabriel Medrano hit a 41-yard field goal for the Builders. In the fourth quarter, Josh Edson uh, had a 25-yard reception. This one again from Yam made it 58-0. Then the final score of the game was a James Maddox six-yard run. Uh, and that's where you get to your final 65 to nothing. What stood out to you in statistics, Mark? Uh, looking at the team statistics, I mean, as you mentioned with the scoring, it was all Southwestern. Look at the team statistics, it's all Southwestern there as well. Um, first down, Southwestern at 26 compared to 10 for Bethany. Um, took advantage of uh, opportunities to convert on third down, uh, converting 75% of their third down opportunities compared to 22% for Bethany. Uh, Southwestern held a almost 350 yards of total offense advantage over Bethany and Mound Builders, having 501 yards of total offense compared to 153 for the Swedes. Um, and you, you just see their big play potential when you look at that total offense as well, um, averaging eight yards per play compared to 2.4 for, for Bethany there. Um, Net yards passing, Southwestern at 254 compared to 67 for the Swedes. Uh, net yards rushing, 247 for the Mountain Builders compared to 86 for Bethany. And uh, turnovers, again, playing a huge part here. Uh, Southwestern forcing four turn- turnovers and only giving the ball away once. So definitely a, a big uh, advantage there. 
Just looking at some offensive individual statistics, Brad Cagle with a good game for the Mountain Builders, very efficient, going 10 of 16 um, for 173 yards and three touchdowns. Thomas Yam also played some quarterback for the Mountain Builders, going four of six for 81 yards, uh, two touchdowns and interception. Pretty balanced rushing attack for uh, the Mountain Builders. They had three people um, over 50 yards rushing on the day, including David Roper, um, who led the team in rushing yards with 64 on 11 carries. Um, Samara Hunter had 59 yards on five carries for an average of 11.8. And James Maddox had 59 yards on 10 carries for an average of 5.9 yards per carry and a touchdown. Um, Brad Cagle also scored two rushing touchdowns on the day, um, as well as a rushing touchdown by Keyshawn Jones. Uh, ball was pretty spread out pretty well on the receiving front by Southwestern. Yeah, let's see. Eight different mound builders catch the ball on the day. Looks like um, Andre Jones catching two balls for 61 yards, average of 30.5 yards per catch. And one of those catches was a touchdown. Uh, Jordan Jackson, two catches for 51 yards. And one of those was a touchdown. Zion Kenner, another mound builder with two catches. 45 yards, um, and one of those being a touchdown. Blake Hoffman, they're, they're tied in, and I believe uh, another all-KCAC preseason honoree um, had one touchdown on three catches for 27 yards. Uh, Gabriel Medrano had a good day on special teams for for Southwestern. I believe he's another uh, preseason team member, going one of one on field goals um, with a long of, of 41 yards, excuse me, and converting all six of his extra points there. On Bethany's side, let's see, kind of looking at the offensive statistics, um, had three people attempt passes on the day. Alex Giragosian, Nick Trulove, and Peyton Manoffley um, all played a little bit of quarterback there for the Swedes. Uh, J.J. Allen probably had the standout performance for Bethany on the day. Um, I believe another preseason team member there as well. Love the team in both rushing and receiving yards, um, having 16 carries for 60 yards for an average of 3.8 per carry, um, had a long rush of 35 yards, and then led the team in uh, total receptions and, rece- and reception yards. Had three catches for 38 yards um, with a long of 30 yards reception. Um, anything on defense kind of stand out to you for either team? So for Bethany, they were led in tackles by Julian Carpenter, had 10 total tackles in the game, gets to those double-digit tackles. Uh, Jalen Talbot had the one interception and added five tackles to go with that. Uh, For Southwestern, Chance Price led them in tackles, uh, had nine total tackles, had a fumble recovery, pass breakup, and a tackle for half a tackle for a loss. Uh, Drew Smith added six total tackles, two of those sacks for a loss. Uh, So a big game for him. Another, again, interception by Trayvon Crockett uh, to go along with his five tackles. And then Tavion Williamson, uh, one interception that he was able to return 44 yards before being tackled. Uh, So those were kind of the standout performances on the southwestern uh, side of the football. Uh, Let's go ahead, though, and transition to our final game of the night, uh, which featured Bethel traveling to Friends University. Bethel uh, able to come out ahead on this one, uh, 28-16. 
but friends there for a while looked like that they were going to have a chance to upset the Threshers. Uh, friends jumped out to a quick 10-0 lead in the first quarter, uh, carried a 10-7 lead in the halftime. Uh, but coming out in the third quarter, Bethel takes over, scores 14 in the third, seven in the fourth, uh, compared to Friends' six points scored in the fourth quarter uh, to get us to that final score of 28-16. Those breakdowns, uh, Friends started off the scoring with a Bobby Schmidt 45-yard field goal, so a nice kick by the Falcon uh, kicker. Uh, gave Friends a 3-0 lead, and then Caden Rigsby uh, broke a 39-yard touchdown run to give friends that 10 to nothing lead uh, at the end of the first quarter. In the second quarter, it's the Bethel quarterback, DJ Sears, breaks off a 20-yard run for a touchdown uh, to cut it to 10-7, heading into half, and then coming out after the half, it's Sears again on a 14-yard touchdown run, gave Bethel their first lead of the day at 13-10, and then Sears busted another big run, this one 42 yards in the third quarter. Um, gives Bethel the 21-10 lead. Uh, heading to the fourth quarter, Friends. Uh, Zach Dressler breaks off a 63-yard run, cuts it 21-16. Uh, Friends gets the ball back and has a chance to, to do a drive to, to either tie or take the lead. Uh, but it's Bethel's Josh Siebold with 54 seconds left, uh, gets a pick six, picks off a, a pass about six yards uh, outside of the friend's end zone and takes it back those six yards for a touchdown, sealing the 28 to 16 Thresher victory. Any stats stand out to you, Mark? Uh, looking at the team statistics, I mean, going into this game, we talked about this is Terry Harrison facing off against his former team in Bethel. Uh, thank you, good feel his style of coaching on, on both sides of the ball. Um, A.B. Stokes, new coach at Bethel, I think keeping the the rushing game alive there at Bethel. And um, we saw both teams really lean heavily on the rushing game on the day. Uh, Friends had 220, 222 yards of total offense of the day compared to 345 for Bethel. Um, as I said, both teams definitely leaning heavily on the rushing game. Uh, Two, 199 of Friends' 222 yards were on the ground compared to 310 rushing yards for Bethel um, out of their total 345. So um, both teams uh, limiting the passing game and, and trying to have big plays through the rushing game. Uh, Bethel definitely could see taking advantage of more opportunities and kind of busting a big play when they can, uh, averaging 6.2 yards per rush compared to 3.9 for friends uh, turnovers again kind of the name of the game and about all the games this weekend uh, Bethel only giving the ball away twice compared to four turnovers for uh, the friends Falcons uh, looking at offensive statistics individually DJ Sears I know you mentioned his name several times in the scoring breakdown um, was efficient not very many yards but definitely efficient as quarterback 8 of 10 for 35 yards um, and then also led the team in rushing, had 15 carries, 139 yards, and three touchdowns carrying the ball. And um, if you look at the game footage, there was a couple of them were pretty outstanding runs. One was kind of tiptoeing the sideline um, to get that 20-yard rushing touchdown. And then he busted, I think it was like a, was a 40-yard rush there in the third quarter, um, just exploding through the middle and, and taking them all the way to the house. So definitely a good game for Sears on the day. 
um, averaging 9.3 yards on the ground. As I said, uh, three touchdowns on the ground as well. Uh, Chance Curry, again, playing a big part. As he's done that since he's been at Bethel, but playing a big part on the ground. Um, 15 carries, 73 yards for a 4.9-yard average there. Um, looking at friends, Zach Dressler, you mentioned his name on the scoring breakdown at a 63-yard touchdown. That was part of a, a day where he had 16 carries for 96 yards. Um, and then four other Falcons had carries on the day. Caden Rigsby, Dejon Dobbs, Waylon Chance, and Andrew Arnold all carried the ball on the day. Uh, Rigsby scoring a touchdown for the Falcons as well. Uh, Kevin Green, the only Falcon that had receptions on the day. Two catches for 23 yards. Uh, Bobby Schmidt, you mentioned him in the scoring breakdown. Uh, I believe scoring the first points of the game on a 45-yard field goal. He's one for one um, on field goals and one for one on extra points there. Um, anything on the defensive side of the ball stand out to you on, for either team? So for Bethel, again, it's All-American Josh Siebel. Seven tackles, had the one pick six to seal the game. Uh, Cade Miller also had a big game for Bethel. Ten total tackles, three of those for a loss. Um, Brian Parker had four tackles, um, a half sack, two and a half tackles for a loss. Uh, so a big play uh, playmaker there in the, the backfield, breaking up some of those Falcons uh, runs. For friends, it's Nolan Ewing. Had 15 total tackles, two and a half of those were for a loss. Uh, then Shamarius Davis and Peyton Douglas each also added nine tackles as well uh, for the Falcons as uh, Friends falls on their home opener in front of 577 at Adair Austin Stadium. But that brings us to the end of the KCAC scoreboard. Thank you for tuning in to the KCAC Beat. Uh, as always, you can catch highlights of the football games on the KCAC Twitter page uh, at KCAC Sports. Uh, you can catch highlights, uh, which I know we mentioned a, a couple of those from that Friends Bethel game. If you've not got a chance to check out some of those highlights, I'd really encourage you to head on there and do that. Um, but you have KCACsports.com for all your, your news and KCAC notes. But for everyone here at the KCAC and for Mark Hoffines, I'm Hans Nichols saying thank you and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the KCAC Beat. For more information on the KCAC, go to www.kcacsports.com.